welcome to For What It's Worth. There's your cookie. Have fun. <laughs> Introduction to and exploration of the furry fandom. Wisconsin, Texas. Today's forecast calls for clear, sunny skies. One thing about coming out to a convention on the East Coast. That's not the East Coast, Minnesota is not the East Coast. Oh. But tomorrow, we'll see a storm moving in with a low-pressure pocket of air. Pull that ripcord, <laughs> we're done, aboard. Full of your two hosts, Rue and Tugs. I didn't even put it on here, but I know what's coming next, or do you? Oh, yeah, I do. Hello and welcome to Season 9, Episode 3 of For What It's Worth. I can't believe I've been doing this nine years. I am coming to you from Seattle, and my name is Tugs Puppy Bear, and Rue is not here. So, coming to you from Maple Land, we have Nuka. I'm not Rue. <laughs> I like that, like, like I'm very specific, Seattle, and then I'm like, an entire continent's worth of width, yeah, Canada. I'm just from somewhere in Canada, my location varies depending on my mood. <laughs> I am everything. <laughs> uh, yeah, how you been? Uh, uh, pretty good. Uh, pretty tired. It's midterm season. So I, uh, nothing like, uh, marking 200 midterms on the psychology of sex and then, uh, getting like 20 minutes for dinner and then jumping on to record. That's, uh, that's the mindset going into this. So I, I have to say, I think half of the people out there are going, who wouldn't want to grade papers about sex? So is it, is it as good as it sounds? Oh God, it's horrible. It's, uh, what's well, it's, it's because the topic is fun. I actually love teaching the course on it. It's it's fantastic because you're um, teaching these folks, you know, stuff that they never knew about, you know, everything that sex ed class missed, you're teaching and then going beyond to like university level. But it is incredibly disheartening to teach the midterms and to just hear the the sheer number of misconceptions that university students have about uh, sex, like the number of times people have you mean the vagina isn't the part on the outside or, Oh wait, there's, there's two holes or these are the kinds of kinds of questions I get. Do you, do you include kink in this or is that like sex Uh, ed one Oh two? No, we do. We do a a few lectures on uh, uh, fetishes, paraphilias, kinks. Yep. That's, that's all in there. That's that's coming up in a couple of weeks. Everyone, everyone out there is going, damn, I want to sit in on that. Or damn, is my kink in there? Do you end up using some of that data you got from, from your sex survey you did a while back? Uh, a little or- bit. I do. I actually always reserve the last lecture of the semester to do a bit on furries. So oh. I, always, I always do a full lecture on furries to say, okay, so because I, re- I have a reputation at the school as being the furry, right? The, 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 the fursuit. And so everyone's like, so you're doing a psychosex sex class. Is he going to do the furry thing? And so, okay. With the whole, whole year, let's let's address the furry thing, the elephants in the room, so to speak. So, oh my god, that's great! That's how you get them to stay the whole time. Yeah, yeah, and it's always <laughs> it's always rumors. Everyone's like heard about it, like this is this not prof that has that fuzzy cat suit? Like I think it is, but I say no. nothing about it till the last semester, the last the last uh, or the last class. The last class is uh in the syllabus as a mystery lecture. Gotcha. I don't know what it's about. Gotcha. Well, I would go to that. Um coming to you from my neck of the woods i have i got the new iphone and yeah how many of you went sheep i don't care i i use my phone as my camera and it fits my needs so um the short days have shown up i don't like the dark times uh god i, I how do you even deal with that how do you deal with short days I mean, it's I'm like from, 5 p.m and the sun's gone i'm from northern uh, like northern part of canada too and i grew up in a place where in the winter you'd get two hours of two three hours of uh sunlight right. day so you make goddamn s'mores for lunch instead of, you know, a nighttime treat, <laughs> right? I mean, you make up for it in the summer, 
uh, where I grew up, it was also, you know, you'd have uh, sun till like 11 o'clock at night and come up uh, at see, that's, three in the morning. Right. And it's one of those things that I love the summers here because the sun's up forever. And, but in the winter, ooh, that's why I call it the dark times. <clears throat> so, yeah. Yep. Uh, so Rue isn't here with us today. Uh, he could not appear. And that's cool. I'm the, but- I'm the poor man's Rue. <laughs> but i do have a cookie except i'm not gonna do the bumper because yeah so rue i didn't let you down here's your cookie the expanse of your intelligence is a void no universe could ever fill in bed with a cookie (laughs) you said expanse (laughs) what's wrong with that it's kind of quality content you're bringing me on for (laughs) yes all right (laughs) Let's go to the potty break. And welcome back from potty break. That's how you do a welcome back, Nuka. I'm teaching him, guys. So if you see the little tag on his shirt, it says trainee, right? I've got the training wheels on still. (laughs) Uh, Well, let's talk about today's episode. So sometimes when we do the show, we think that there are stories that we run across that are just really interesting stories. And I mean, really learning other people's experiences helps you with your own experience. And this is one of those times. So our guest today has been on before. Uh, it's it been a while. You've been on twice, I think. Um, but now they are back. Say hello, everyone, to Charm. Hello. Nice to meet everybody, I suppose, the in the void of the internet. <laughs> <laughs> and Charm is here to talk about an interesting journey to, I don't know what we should call it, it be, finding your true self, being your authentic self, um, yep. and being non-binary. Yeah, I, I yeah, I suppose that's true. I mean, uh, I for those who I guess don't know, um, I have uh, transitioned. Um, I have just had my surgery three and a half months ago now, um, but you know, I, I am not, for instance, what most people would think as trans, um, in the sense that uh, you know, by like full male to female. I just had bottom surgery, but I am uh still uh maintaining my testosterone via medication um so this is a little much more unique than what most people would expect for uh other trans normal transgender people that they might have heard of or you know seen right so i think what we would like to do then for tonight this is this is the agenda uh we wanted to kind of talk to you about before during and after so people can kind of understand the journeys but before we get into the before um first and most important question is which pronouns should we now use okay yeah so that's actually a common question i get a lot uh, especially since i've sort of opened up myself in a sense and you know let people know uh more publicly uh and the thing i say is i specifically am gender fluid um, in the non-binary spectrum, um, non-binary has a sort of even wider spectrum than uh, uh, most might think. And so as a gender fluid person, I 
am comfortable with almost any pronoun, he, she, they. Um, so you can't really get it wrong for me specifically, <laughs> which is a bonus for those who are wanting to figure that out, uh, at least for my identification. Awesome. It's good to know. Yeah, it's, uh, so, it's interesting. So let's, let's start with the beginning. You were born once, right? And it's, it's, it's my understanding that when you were born, you came with a brand new penis that had like Bluetooth. It was like hybrid. It was the best penis. They didn't and... have Bluetooth back in the day, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to make it sound like a car. It's those, it's those newfangled penises you're thinking about. The new yeah. models. Oh. The new, the, those are like the, you know, 2010 and above models. So. Oh, I see. I, I, I'm not really into those models. Uh, and so, so at some point, um, did you like, when did, when did this kind of start occurring to you that you didn't fit into, um, what I'm assuming is you were just slotted right into a traditional male role? Oh yeah. Uh, so that probably for me specifically, um, probably when I was a bit younger, I had in, you know, so, uh, I guess the best way to describe it would be the, uh, Envy because I used to go to like a dance school and things like that. I was the only guy there, um, of course, as other guys do manly sports like baseball. And this this and was like sports. in the 90s, right? Uh, yeah, like early in my childhood. Um, I, I, I did it for a long time. So, um, but you know, for, for me, I would always feel like, well, I feel, you know, sort of like with the girls at the time, but I know I'm not a girl. Um, so, you know, what do? And then, you know, as I grew up, um, I didn't know about transgender or anything, you know, when I was younger. And as I grew up, went to uni and things like that, realized that, guess what? It's not just guy and girl, you know, penis and vagina and boob is the, you know, like that's, that's what you, you're taught, you know, when you're very young, it's like, yeah, that's how everything is. That's not the case. And chew on all the weird confusion that comes with that, <laughs> you know, uh, and so it was like, I guess I've always personally had this thing where like, I always felt a bit feminine, but not to the full point of, I am a girl or I am female, I would identify as. And I think that's the thing that really confused me because, you know, even at a younger age, I have, I had met someone who was transgender, who was gay and things like that, living in the Bay area, by the way, great place to, you know, at least have that problem because you can find an example pretty much more easily than say if you were in the middle of Alabama or something, nothing against Alabama, but probably a little harder to find. <laughs> um, so it's one of those things where, you know, but I didn't understand it really. And then only later on that I, when I grew up, I'm like, Oh, I must've always had this. I just never figured it out. So it's just kind of a thing always in the back of my head and then meeting my therapist kind of helped that out. So you were, you, you mentioned that, uh, this seems to have happened at sort of a younger age. Like, can you, you, so you can't remember a time sort of before this, it's just as long as you can remember this was the case, this, these feelings. Yeah. I mean, so it's kind of the reason why I thought, I guess I was gay initially, which I still am, you know, I just have, Oh, you're gay. Yeah. I'm so, I'm very gay. So those don't know, I am a very brightly colored rainbow Husky. Um, if you've seen my suit, you'll, it's pretty gay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but yeah, it's one of those things where I would say it was just, I never had that thing it was like, oh yeah, this was the defining moment where I realized it's different, right? Like it was more of like 
something's not right, but I'm not 100% sure how to address it or go about it or do whatever to figure this out. Well, maybe that just means I'm gay, right? Like that's not kind of how I went about it until a bit later on when they said, it might not also be the case. Guess what? There's extra options that you didn't explore. I'm like, oh, okay. I, I'm curious then, did you ever play house as a kid? Uh, I did. I did actually. What, play what role would you take? It's going to sound baby. bad, but the dog. <laughs> the dog? <laughs> like, it's, a, it's a furry. What do you expect? Yeah, I was about to say, like, maybe it's, maybe it's not as bad as it is. So, <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, that, that probably does not, did not help that decision. That's for sure. <laughs> did Did you ever, like, try and express uh, your non-binariness? I can't talk. Um, when you were younger, like, did I mean, I guess you did some dance school, right? Yeah, so, I did, like, ballet and such, so. And then did your parents ever like discourage you or, or were they no. always kind of chill about it? No, they were always chill about the dancing and such. That wasn't the big issue. Um, being gay, I guess, might have been more of a issue, but that's like a whole nother 20 hours of backstory and lore that needs to go into figure that one out. The extended universe. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> So um, was there ever like an aha moment or was there ever like something, whether it's a person or a piece of media or something you read or encountered, just something that kind of brought things into a little bit of clarity for you? Because there's a point where it was kind of confusing and then at some point things kind of crystallized for you. Was it just sort of a gradual thing or can you point to like a, some kind of event that, that got you down the road of, of thinking about things differently? So that's a, I think that's a very good question. Uh, I would definitely say being in the fandom in general helped. I mean, you know, a lot of people drew art, you know, if we were to, you know, put it in that perspective. And, you know, the thought, like, you know, that thought of, oh, people can have a body that is not that binary look what most people expect, you know, to me was, you know, was like, oh, that's a thing. Like, you know, there was a moment of like, that's a thing. Well, maybe, yeah. you know, maybe just fantasy. Okay, you know, that's okay too. But looking further into that was, oh, there is pe- there are people like this and that non-binary spectrum is really wide of some people are absolutely, completely asexual, third-gendered, you know, all-gendered, you know, gender food. Like, there's just so many wide variety. And I'm like, I didn't know this. Any of this existed. And uh at one point i was like i need to talk to an expert because i don't have the capabilities and looking online there's a limited resource specifically for people who are non-binary i will admit um to see look up as an example or even just kind of experience what other people might have um if you were transgendered and say doing a binary transition especially if you are male to female i would say there's a lot of resources on that um, and a lot of people's perspectives and experiences on that as well. But specifically to uh, non-binary people, that's less of a thing. And I'm not 100% sure why that is, but uh, it was one of the things that I kind of found out. And I said, well, I need to talk to a gender therapist. And that's kind of how that ball went rolling. And I figured that out later. Uh, when did you, do you mind if I ask, when you uh, got into the fandom? Uh, when I was in high school. So, man. So you were, you were, you're doing (laughs) doing the Netscape line by line download, weren't you? Uh, no, not that, 
not that damn (laughs) (laughs) i did use netscape but not that bad yet you know but i i did know about vcl for instance Mm -hmm. so you know before before fa existed the before times the before of fa uh that was the thing well now it's all you know now everything's on twitter so twitter and I bring it up just because it's uh, you mentioned this, and I imagine I have to imagine that there's a lot more resources online today than there were, say, t- even just ten years ago. Uh, let alone going back uh, fifteen or twenty years. I imagine it's it's probably a little bit easier to to stumble upon artwork or to stumble upon um, people who've written about this and to sort of share this experience than if it was a, a you know back further than that. Yeah, um, I would say surprisingly. Uh, Artwork-wise, at least in furry art, you would see this a lot more commonly done. People expressing, you know, what they truly believe their character should look like and things like that. A phys- from a physical perspective, you know, definitely that's probably a lot more accessible, a lot easier, less, you know, issue of, you know, people might be judging it for whatever reason because they have their own set of problems and they're just projecting. Uh, but you know, I would say the, in general, it was still hard to find like a, a true experience is the best way to describe it, where someone did go through not even a full trans, like a physical transition, but like, uh, you know, accepting themselves and kind of talking about it. Um, I would say, I don't know why it is, but uh, a lot of non-binary people that I do know don't write about themselves a lot in that sense. Um, it could be, and it could just be from the perspective of what I've experienced in that, uh, and the groups I have, but a lot of people kind of say, well, I am non-binary and that's kind of the end statement. They don't talk about the journey. Sometimes they don't talk about, you know, what they did. They don't talk about like anything, you know, they, the, the sort of thought process, right. Of like, okay, what did I do to get here? What did I do to get that? And then so that's kind of one of the biggest reasons why when sort of I finally opened up, I was like, well, you know, I'm just going to, even if it was on Twitter at the time, I just sort of like dumped out my thoughts and said, all right, if anyone finds it, they can use it as a kind of an example. But I will, you know, preface it by saying, this is only my experience. My experience is not the same as everyone else's experience. I'm even a little bit offshoot of further, you know, further than that. So take it with kind of like, not a grain of salt, but like take it with, you know, that kind of perspective in mind. And uh, that definitely... Um, I had, I've had a lot of people message me after that and say, hey, you know, I might be this way. I'm not sure what I should do. And I said, well, I'm happy to tell you what happened to me. But in the end, I'm going to I'm going to strongly advise if you really think so, you got to talk to someone who is a bit more professional because I cannot give psychological advice to people you know, yeah. without getting in trouble. <laughs> Was the reception generally uh, positive from people like when you when you first sort of took the plunge and said, OK, here's here's what I am. Uh, did people generally respond positively to that or? Yeah. Um, so I, that is a hundred percent sure. I would say, yes, I, it's, uh, been, uh, almost a hundred percent, uh, all positive, no, um, negativity yet, uh, which knock on wood, hopefully it stays that way, but I understand <laughs> the world is, uh, not like that sometimes. Uh, and to me, it has been quite, quite, uh, liberating, but weird experience because of that. Cause a lot of, a lot of perspective that I came from, you know, looking online and talking to more binary transition to people, you know, 
especially online, people were like, oh, you know, I got spat on, you know, like just all this kind of nasty stuff happening. And I'm like, man, is that going to happen? You know, you, ha- you have that second thought moment where you're like, is this, is it worth doing this? If it's going to happen to me too, yeah. you know, and uh, to me specifically, because physically I pretty much looked the same before and after surgery, like literally, unless you took me pants down and looked, you wouldn't know. But, mm-hmm. you know, if you did that in public and I didn't know you and I didn't specifically ask for it, then I probably will call the police on you. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's a different set of problems at that point. So so I didn't catch. Did you say when you kind of came out about this? I, I came out actually surprisingly. I know actually when I came out. Uh, this is on Thanksgiving two years ago. Uh, I made a small Twitter post, specifically Twitter post about it, um, told sort of said, you know, on my public account and said, you know, I am most likely non-binary. I think this is what I am physically. I'd be probably going to go through this process. Um, and it's been relatively, like, because, you know, super positive uh, reception of that, which is always a plus. Um, and I was super happy that, you know, currently, at least, I haven't had any uh, negative feedback, per se. So I, I kind of want to correlate um, so you were, you were in college, you, you discovered this stuff and you said you saw a professional. So, um, you went to therapy, I'm assuming when, uh, and so was that, how close was that to this Thanksgiving window that you were seeing two years ago? Uh, I would say, uh, I was seeing the therapist, I want to say like three or four months prior to that. And. It was one of those things where all the therapists did was said, yes, this exists. Yes, it's okay. You know, like it's one of those moments of like, you already had the pieces. You seem to have like, you know, this is what uh, the, the therapist said to me. is like, you seem to have done a general decent amount of research on this because I had, because I was like, well, I got to make sure. And uh, then they said, oh, yeah, uh, that's totally fine. This exists. It's not weird in any way. Like, and it was that moment of like, Oh, okay. All the I had all the pieces just sort of then finally slotted in together. I was like, okay, now it's now it's complete. How did you find a therapist? Because because people often don't have the words or even the tools. So what did you do? Just Google it, or and what did you Google? If so, oh yeah. Uh, so I literally I knew about uh, therapy for transgender people existing, and specifically, you if you are looking for someone, you would look for a. Um, at least most cases because of uh, the LGBTQ uh, specific, uh, trans, uh, specifically trans positive gender therapy, um, where you most cases, these therapists themselves may or maybe trans transgender themselves. They have gone through the experience. They understand they have a lot of references to look for. And so they know that like um, that whole spectrum exists in a sense. And they understand that not everyone is binary. There are in between, as it is, as we say, or even out of out of the in between, off off by itself kind of thing ha- that exists and happens. So you, you mentioned something that I thought was kind of interesting. Um, so you said that one of the one of the things, and I don't want to put words in your mouth here, but one of the things you suggested sounded like um, the the chance to talk to the therapist. One of the best things you got out of it was the the validation, right? Having someone to say yes, this is in fact a thing. Yes, this is valid. Because I know that one of the things I've heard from uh, trans folks that I've talked with before um, is 
part of it is this sort of wondering is this this not being sure am i am i trans is that actually it or because you hear about so many other experiences and think mine doesn't perfectly match on to that so maybe am i or am i maybe not so did you ever have any of that or um yeah i yeah i, I know what you're talking about um that is definitely a thing that um i did think about too um and, and is this is this right am i doing the correct thing this is not you know i even specifically asked the therapist like is it just me having a cross-dressing fetish right like maybe i just like to dress up in certain outfits um, but, you know, they actually walk through as like, okay, if that is the case, you know, are you still doing it just because, you know, that, and then when you're done, you're done with like, it's done, or is it like you just, that thought still persists no matter what you have done, like you've done everything and it's still there, like, and you don't know what's happening. And, uh, that's sort of the moment where you realize it's like, oh yeah, it's, you know, you would say it's with 99% guarantee in your head that it's like it's not a fetish. Then the therapist comes in and says, the last 1% is like, okay, did you do everything you thought was going to clear you of this thought and it's not done yet? You know, they're going to also probably say, it's probably not a fetish. That means that give you that last 1% to say, I am probably transgender, you know, and I want to pursue this, go down this road. You know, what can I do next? What's my next step now that I've kind of accepted this fact? Which is, it is a very heavy talk to reach that point for a lot of people. Um, I'm going to be flat out honest about that. Um, for anyone who does this, it is, it is a little bit of a rough mental road for people who have not really talked to therapists before or, um, are struggling in general about gender and gender therapy, because you will be forced to kind of look inside yourself really deeply and then kind of have to accept one thing or the other. And then that sometimes is a lot. But did you find that the the having the label, finally having a, a term, a, a thing to use that says, yes, this this now makes sense, this clicks. The only, the only thing I can compare it to, and it's a really rough comparison, so I don't, I don't mean to say it's one-to-one, but the closest I have to compare it to that is when I was diagnosed with um, Tourette syndrome, right? I had all these weird quirks, all these weird facets of my behavior that I couldn't explain, and finally walking out and, and finally having a name for it, and suddenly everything just kind of made sense. Like, okay, this kind of fits this matches uh, i get it now and i was wondering if you if that's what it was like or yeah i definitely had that moment when i realized that it was like oh this is this is me like you know there's definitely a moment of is this actually me you know you question yourself maybe it's just me doing dumb things because that's what i thought would work or that's what i thought i liked or whatever and then all of a sudden it's like no, that was because you've been trying to figure it out and you finally figured it out. And now all those pieces, when you look back on it, go, ah, yes, that does make sense now. Like you kind of have that, as you said, that click where just be, just because finally someone told you, you're like, now it makes sense. So I think it's time for us to take our first break. Uh, so we're going to do that and then we will come back and we'll get into the nitty gritty. All right. Hailing Frequencies Open, Smokescale Aquatus here with another round of news for you. As of Friday, November 13th, here are your space headlines. Holy frick, it's Friday the 13th! By the time you're able to listen to this, it won't be anymore, so moving on. The last time I was able to make a proper report, I said that Crew-1, the first official crewed flight of Dragon, that wasn't a test flight, was going to be on Halloween. Well, that didn't happen. There were delays, as is often the case in rocketry. 
However, SpaceX and NASA are ready to go all over again, set to fly only a few hours after the time of this recording. Slated for November 14th at 7.49 p.m. local time, the Falcon 9 will light its engines and loft four passengers on board the Dragon capsule Resilience to the International Space Station from Kennedy Space Center's Pad 39A. By the time you hear this, you'll know if it launched or if it scrubbed. I'm hoping for the former. This truly is the beginning of a new age of human spaceflight, and I can't wait to see what we can accomplish in the coming years. OSIRIS-REx successfully snatched a handful of regolith from the surface of asteroid Bennu. Interestingly, they kind of captured more than they expected. The capture device actually depressed into the surface deeper than anticipated, and the gas meant to blow material into the collectors through far more than expected. There was so much that the container could not close properly. This meant that as the vehicle moved, it risked tossing the captured samples back out. Controllers then tried to stow the container and close up the return capsule so they can hold on to as much of the collected sample as possible. Now, it's safely locked in place for the trip back to Earth. For reference, the mission expected about 60 grams or 2.1 ounces of material to be gathered, and they actually grabbed a little more than a full kilogram or 2.2 pounds. That's significantly more than one full order of magnitude more than expected. Not long ago, scientists announced something that we didn't think was entirely possible. They have found evidence of water on the moon, specifically on the sunlit surface. Before you get all excited, we're not talking about lakes or ponds, we're talking about very, very small concentrations. This is pretty incredible since it was believed that the sunlit side would prove too inhospitable for water to remain intact. Without an atmosphere like Earth's, water boils off very easily and the heat of the sun would ensure that happens almost immediately. However, they've found traces of it thanks to NASA's Stratospheric Observatory for Infrared Astronomy, or SOFIA for short. SOFIA is an instrument package that rides in the rear of a 747 specially outfitted for the purpose. Once the plane gets to the desired location and altitude, part of the hull slides back out of the way and the telescope is able to begin observation. It doesn't get completely out of the atmosphere, but it does get above the thickest parts. Sophia has proven to be incredibly useful, and this discovery should ensure she gets more funding for other exciting research. Last, but by absolutely no means least, India saw the first launch since the beginning of the pandemic, seeing a successful flight of their PSLV. It carried India's EOS-1 radar imaging satellite and nine other smaller rideshare payloads spanning across several countries. All the necessary objectives were met, and the mission was declared a success. I'm glad to see another member of the spaceflight community getting back into the game, especially since it looks like India might be able to push out another launch before the end of the year. Honestly, I'll just be glad when I can reallocate brain space away from the constant, ever-intensifying, hateful background radiation that the last few years, this year especially, have been so far, and shunt it back into caring about spaceflight, rocketry, astronomy, and human exploration once again. I hope you'll come along with me. That's all for this round. Stay tuned for the next episode of For What It's Worth for more. Until next time, this is Smokescale Aquatus saying keep looking up, space fans.
so Tugs, I think it's uh, about that time that you uh, worship me as one of your performances. <laughs> so go, go ahead, I'll, I'll wait. I will. I will. Let me strip the appropriate music of worship. There we go. Oh. Oh. What happened? Did you hit him? Let me do that again. Well, apparently that's all the worship music that we're allowed to say. <laughs> Is it three three seconds at a time. There we go. Okay, now let's get this worship now you train can worship going. Me. <laughs> yes. We want to thank everyone out there who thinks that what we do is worth money. It's interesting. Let me turn down this thing and hope it doesn't. There we go. Okay, so starting in, in lowest to highest, because that's how we roll, yo. We want to thank Moss, Simone, Kit, Ligris, Aussie Cat, Chapagriff, Yin, GW, Guardian Lion, Kachi, Koru, Rifka, Baldrick, Adelor, Ichi, maybe Nuka. I don't have a good one. I'm sorry. <laughs> Nuka, we worship you too. I get my own tier, the Nuka tier. The Nuka tier and Jake Fox. If you would like to support us, go to patreon.com slash FWIW and enjoy the fact that you pissed off about 50 million other media things. That's it. Great night. Off the stage, pulled with the hook. So let's continue our discussion with Charm. This is so interesting to me. I uh I have so we're gonna talk about now the during. So the during is kind of like this window where starts with my first question and ends at now now you are out of the hospital. Uh so the first question is is did you have a moment in time where you're like, well, old friend well, little charm, it's time for you to become an innie instead of being an outie. Or really, when did you when did you have a moment where you decided it's got to go? Um, it's sort of actually when I was talking to my therapist, really, um, and I just always in my in my head, I guess I've just kind of been like, you know, it's been kind of like, well, it, it's been so many years with you, and I've, you know, it's like you're there. I know you're there. I know how to make you happy in a sense, but like, it's not making me happy uh, <laughs> is the best way to describe it. It's like, and that was, I guess, one of the, also the other struggles was like, oh, does this make me just want this just because I, you know, I want it. So this is more like a fetish reason now. Uh, and that was actually a struggle that I thought, uh, but like eventually it came down to, well, I just kind of, I gotten used to you, but it's not me. Like it's, you know, so I need to fix you up, uh, make you what it's supposed to be. And uh, that's sort of the moment, you know, when I said, yep, all right, I'm doing the surgery like a year, like almost uh, a year and three months uh, prior where I met my surgeon and said, is this possible? And the surgeon said, yes. Um, and she's done a magnificent job. She's also worked with a lot of non-binary patients, so she understands. Did you uh, leave a Yelp review? Uh, no, <laughs> no Yelp review, <laughs> but, uh, but definitely a, uh, I, I tell people who ask us, you know, um, I tell them, it's like, yeah, uh, this is the surgeon I went through. Magnificent job. Also, because we're in America was covered under my specific insurance. So I was like, yay, <laughs> you know, and she was also, she's also not to toot her horn in that sense, but she is, uh, one of the best, uh, transgender, um, 
surgeons that does uh, vaginoplasty that has also uh, helped develop a more uh, newer technique that's been a lot more common now. Um, uh, I didn't do that specifically because she said I had enough material in a sense to work with, um, but uh, it helps people who might not have a lot of material per se to create uh, a vagina for those who are interested in that. And um, she's she just she was just a really amazing doctor. She called it my V day. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it was quite a hoot when I, I heard. It. I was like, oh, that's, that's quite good. But uh, yeah, so she was. That was the moment I was like, yep. I no, I just wanted to. I realized that it wasn't me and it needed to go. But I wasn't, you know, it wasn't. I wasn't dysphoric as much about it than say someone who could be dysphoric about their genitals. And so to me, it was like it's just there and I need it changed. So if you, if you don't mind me asking or you know, going down this path, I, I have to know, I'm trying to put myself in the mindset. Like, you know, I've, the most surgery I've ever had was I had wisdom teeth taken out. Right. So this is just such yeah. a, such a different mindset for me. So what's, if you describe a little bit sort of what the process of that, that meeting, like do you walk in, do they like pull out a magazine and say, pick one, or is it like more of a, like, you know, what's, uh, what's, yeah. the, procedure, what's the procedure like for, for you when you're deciding on, on how to proceed going forward? Was oh that yeah, like in that office. <laughs> Definitely. Um, so before I went in, I did a bit of online research of what exists, uh, you know, and there are many, many techniques that exist. Um, the classic method that's been used for the past 60 or 70 years for transgendered people is the inversion technique, which pretty much quite literally, as you can think about it, you should just, they sort of push it back in and readjust a lot of bit of the wiring. You know, this is a very simplified version. A surgeon will tell you the more complicated version, um, which I do recommend uh, to actually ask what they do. Uh, but the simplified is they sort of just kind of rewire everything, push it back inside and kind of adjust a little bit. Um, and then that's so, it. So there's no removing of the metis. It just goes inside. Kind of. There, there are bits that get removed. Um, for instance, your bowls. There's no space for that. Um, although there are surgeries now where they can maintain that and still give you a vagina. Don't ask me how that works. It's a lot newer, <laughs> but there are techniques like that. Um, the one that she developed or that she didn't develop, but she really kind of pushed forward and pioneered was um, called PPT, which translates to, uh, I always forget what it's specifically um, Let's see if Google knows. Uh, you're going to get something weird. Yeah, it said surgery PowerPoint. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to remember. Why can I not remember this? Like, it's it's such a thing. It's such because it's, it's such a new hotness. Sometimes it's like, um, wow, that's uh, yeah, that's not an easy find. You'll, we'll we'll come back to it if, if yeah, we'll you, go, we'll come back to it. Um, but that's like the new stuff. Um, the you know, there's ones where they use your colon lining. There's ones where they use, um, you know, there's just a lot of different things. And there's also like, like an artist in a weird way, your surgeon determines kind of how it looks. So if you see, because a lot of the surgeons will post the photos of their work, right, on their website. So you can kind of go and see, ooh, I like the way you did that. Or like, so like a tattoo artist showing their portfolio. Yeah, or like a furry artist showing off their portfolio and you're like, I really want that one, right? Like, in, <laughs> you know, in that stuff. So like in reality, like if you find a surgeon and you like what they've done, 
you kind of want to go with them. This In this case, my surgeon was, there's a few factors that went for me, which was local, covered by insurance, and kind of like the way they look, and also worked with non-binary patients and has done like, in a sense, non-binary surgeries, uh, which was a, a big, that was truly a big key factor because there's a lot of surgeons that have not worked with non-binary patients. They don't, they might not understand as well what we expect uh, as a non-binary person versus someone who is uh, full transitioning binary who are like, they are going to become female or they're going to become male, like one, one full one direction to the other kind of 180. Um, a lot of non-binary people kind of sit, you know, in the middle, 70%, 80%, 60%, you know, like that kind of like, well, you're all, it's all over the place. It's uh, interesting to me that it was covered by insurance too. I, maybe it's because I'm from Canada, and when I hear about American uh, health insurance, it, it's just this big, scary beast to me. So I'm I'm, I'm surprised that this was something that would be uh, covered. I'm pleasantly surprised. I'm glad to hear it was was covered. Yeah, um, a lot of uh, I would say a lot of insurances now are realizing that this is a thing because it is um, under what is that that big psychological book that has all the the DSM? Yes, that one. Um, uh, in recent times, the classification of transgender is not, you know, it's an actual health, mental health uh, issue. And so to cure it is to transition, go through procedures. And so that's changed. And it used to be only very binary transition restrictions. And I think they, when I talked to my, or when I talked to a psychologist, because um, there's an organization called WPATH, which restricts, um, how transgender surgery happens because unlike many other surgeries or procedures there's no undo you can't really undo a lot of this so if you make it they have to get a lot of like psychological clearance and things like that you know and some people think it's gatekeeping but um, and some people think like it's necessary necessary so this is still a big fight as to what it is um so what where do you if you don't mind me asking where do you sit on that uh, scale for, do, you, do you feel like it's, so yeah, i do still, you think yeah, yeah i would say um Doing this specific procedure, like in this case, vaginoplasty, getting a new vagina, um, I would say, yes, I do wish that I could just go in and say, let's do it. Schedule me next week, right? Like, you know, I wish that was the thing. But I do also understand that, like, the surgeons that do this, you know, has to make sure that you are not doing this out of distress, duress, whatever other thing that might be also affecting your... Uh, choice in this matter because it's very life altering, right? There's no, it's one thing to, you know, take hormones and, you know, grow boobs and then realize, oh, I'm not actually female. I'm actually going to be back to male and then stop taking them, right? Like that can be a lot more, um, you can kind of undo, in a sense, undo that, or for some people would be detransitioning. Um, because they realized that that was not the case for them. Um, but for me, I understand that like doing a big surgery like this, where it is your, your life is about to change quite literally. Um, I, I can see why they want, you know, in a sense, a psychological evaluation to make sure that you are doing this because you truly believe this. And it is something that will help your mental health. So I was so just Googling it and, yeah, no, I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll be right to you, Nuka. Um, since 2014, Medicare has covered 
um, medically necessary surgery. So if you if yeah. you have a need for it, you have a need for it. Uh, uh, what yeah. you were saying, Nuka? Oh, uh, I was just gonna say so. So sort of instead of the, in the same vein, what I asked before when I said you know describe for me what it's like to sit in that office and sort of decide. Um, the I'm thinking okay, you're 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 in the the hospital. You're you're getting ready to go under the you know they're, they're about to put the mask on you for the last time before you go under. Yeah. And, and what what so what's going through your head? Like you know you're you're this is the the last chance before they put you under. Oh uh, man, that was uh that was an interesting day. Um, wake up at five a.m. because surgery's at six. <laughs> By the way, a.m. I don't oh, know why surgery is at six a.m., but it's I guess that's when they do the surgery. Uh, that's when my surgeon likes to do the surgery. It's six a.m. in the morning. It's because there's a larger amount of staff during the day. Or, I guess I don't know. I was it was one of those moments. I also I. To, to add to this, I really lucked out because this happened this year during this COVID era. Somehow, because at the start, because this was planned a year in advance. You, don't, you know, you don't get this surgery and do it next week. You, it takes a year just to get the date of when your surgery is. Um, because you have, you have a lot of hoops, in a sense, to jump through before you get there. But I got this, uh, and then my surgeons were like, you're really lucky because they just started lifting restrictions for the hospitals to be able to do elective surgeries because it is an elective surgery. <laughs> and they were like, eh, eh, you know, and uh, you're going to be fine. And so I was like, okay, cool. But the day I arrived, 5 a, uh, 6 a.m., I arrived at the hospital. They take me to the prep, I forgot what it's like, a prep room. Uh, you know, I get naked to the gown, you know, put all my stuff in the... Uh, in the bag, which, uh, and then I was, to be honest, like the part that I was most, like I was feeling dread was not because I'm about to go into surgery, but because they have to jab an IV into me. And I am notoriously afraid of these, uh, these needles. They somehow get it in me without me like passing out. Uh, but yeah, as they wheel me in to the hospital or into the surgery room, um, I, it was, the things I remember were I, it was freezing cold, which I'm okay with because I run very hot as a person. Like my body temperature is kind of warm all the time. And then B, I was crying and I couldn't tell why I was crying. Probably it was probably a mixture of a few things where fear of surgery because I've never had surgery before. And so I didn't know what to really expect out of surgery and probably emotional happiness overwhelming me i guess is the best way to describe it but my mind wasn't really thinking anything so i couldn't think i couldn't tell if i was afraid or happy at the time it was just kind of like i'm just crying now and i don't know why uh, just this mentally. physiologically aroused state your heart's going you're just like ah there's so much yeah. is happening <laughs> yeah it was pretty much that and the, the funny thing was everyone who i've talked to who's had any kind of surgery or even this surgery specifically was like oh yeah your anesthesiologist is gonna you know, put the mask on you. They're going to count down. My assistant just didn't even do anything. He was just like, all right, here's the mask. And then by the time the mask put on and like three, like I was, I was waiting for the gas to hit or something, you know, and I was like, well, he's going to tell me to count down. Three seconds later, I wake up and I am in the recovery room. I'm like, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> like he didn't even count down. He just straight up gas on, you're out. Goodbye. You know, and I was just, I woke up and I'm like, all right, did that really happen? And then, you know, you kind of look down. Well, you, I looked down, but it was covered in blankets. I couldn't really see anything. But I'm like, everything feels numb in that area. So it must have happened. Like, you know, but I can't tell. Like, you know, I can't really tell because I'm still really drugged up right now. And then I pass out and then I wake up again. And when I do wake up, I'm in my actual hospital room. 
and uh, yeah, I was I was super dead happy. Like just just it was a very ecstatic feeling when it finally happened. Um, I would say it was like when I finally came to and the drugs wore off and I wasn't in pain. Um, it was it was a very ecstatic feeling, and uh, you know I'm very honest as to my experience of recovery too, um, which there is many waves of happiness and less happiness happening at the same time. So did you, I have to ask as, as someone who happens to have the configuration I'm comfortable with, uh, I feel like I would say goodbye to my penis and be like, this is our last time together. And then like grieve it psychologically because it's a part of me that's been with me. It's going away. Did you have a moment like that? Uh, I, me personally, no, I, I, you, you were just like, oh, okay. Yeah. I was like, to me, cause it was like, it was there. And that's like, to, in my head, it was just like, it's okay. It's, I guess it's there. You know, it, it, it does a thing, you know, uh, I jokingly will say, you know, said to my therapist, I'm like, you know what, when this surgery happens, I'm going to be super happy. Maybe the only thing I'm going to miss is standing to go pee. You know, if, if that is really a problem. But by then, I was already sitting to use the restroom for like the past two years. So I'm like, it ha- you know, to me, it hasn't really changed. But I would say it's like, yeah, maybe on an emergency, you know, going to a CD truck stop and the bathrooms haven't been maintained in the past two years, then maybe I would miss the ability to stand to pee. But besides that, <laughs> probably not. Like it was not, there was no doubt in my mind specifically of like, goodbye you know i needed to give a send-off and things it was just like oh well that's kind of you know that it was it's there i guess (laughs) you know that was the thing for me did you so i I really want to know then what was the first moment where you got to visually see the new that was was gonna be my question yeah (laughs) oh yeah uh surprisingly the 10 hours after i got out of surgery uh my surgeons all like oh yeah Uh, i took a photo because she takes a photo of everything immediately like you know, uh, after surgery, post-op surgery photo, you know, there's a, there's tubes and stitches kind of everywhere. Um, so it wasn't the prettiest, but they were like, yeah, here's a photo of it. Uh, I sent it to your email (laughs) and I'm like, I'm really drugged. I'm really drugged, but I'm all like, I need to see it. Cause like, so the way it works is like the moment they do it, they literally stitch, they, A, they stuff miles of packing gauze inside, which Mm -hmm. I'll, you know, I'll explain what happens when they take it out. And B, on top of that, they uh, sew on this gigantic tube of gauze. It's called like a bolster. It's just to make sure nothing falls out, which thankful for. But, you know, um, so you can't really see anything. You just when you look down, you'd see this giant white thing attached to between your legs. Um, and so, but when I look at the photo, I was all like, wow, that looks nice. Like, even though it is, there's stitches coming out, there's tubes hanging, you know, like it was, it was like literally quite post-op, like they just finished and 30 seconds later, they took the photo kind of thing. Um, it, I was really happy when I saw it. Like, I was just like, this is mine now. Now, the recovery of that, there was a lot of stuff that happened in the, during the recovery process. But at least at that, at that specific moment, I'm like, okay, I think I did the right choice, you know. Hmm. That must have been, were you excited when you saw the unread line was, because for me, that's like the new getting mail as a kid, you know, you're all excited. It's like, I want that email. Uh, well, a- no, cause she just walked into my room and she's all like, oh. I literally just, she just said, she just straight up said, I'm like, I just sent it to you. I'm like, oh, okay. Like, you know, I was like, oh, 
you just sent it to me like just 10 seconds ago. I see. Oh, oh okay. Okay. Yeah. So I was, I was super, I was like, I was very happy with it. And uh, she, she was, she was excited. She was like, yeah, it turned out well, no complications. Like that was, to be honest, that was my biggest fear is any kind of complication from like, you're bleeding out to death slowly to, you know, some like kind of infection or yeah. yeah like, and you know, I've talked to some people who've had the surgery and they've had like, Oh yeah, I got a mild infection that caused this thing to happen. And like some people like I didn't get enough depth um, and things like that. For me personally, it, everything turned out the way I wanted. Not everyone's experience is going to be like mine. You know, it's always, there's a little bit of your body deciding to do whatever the heck it wants. And so <laughs> my body decided to cooperate. So I'm assuming if my body also decided to cooperate, I'm like, okay, maybe both body and mind really wanted this and it all worked out in the end. So I'm, I'm wondering, I'm wondering is what was like the, one of the most surprising things like have, having, having, you know, was there any transition or anything you had to sort of get used to anything that was different that you weren't expecting anything surprising that you're like, Oh, that's uh, yeah. Surprisingly. Um, Wait, uh, we got to go on break. So that was after break. <laughs> I haven't heard that in a while. <laughs> Hearing that ages me. <laughs> you know, they took that sign down in the bay and I was really sad. Yeah, I was super sad when they finally took that sign out. The Coca-Cola sign fell up. The oh, the only sign that nope. will never come down. down. It's coming down, like, I think this weekend. No. It can never yes. Come down. I'm sorry. I read it and I had a sad too. No, it's not. It never comes down. The Coca-Cola <laughs> minus forever. That's part of San Francisco. It it's gone, I think. <laughs> I'd be sad if they took that song down. I know. <laughs> Let's talk about happy things, though. Uh, so we're we're talking about your your after now. Here, so you've left the hospital and you're anxiously awaiting sex. I'm sure, and other things. I've had surgery down there. I know like for me, I was like, please nothing remotely excite me for like six weeks. Cause that area of the body is very slow healing. Right. Did you, did you have a period of that where you're like, Oh man, I need to picture my grandma naked or something. No. Uh, well, so I, you know, honestly speaking, I'm going to say it was the most unsexiest, you know, chastity play I've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> the best way to describe it you know at the time you know back before, when i had stuff i you know i enjoyed chastity as a as a thing um uh but like it was one of those things where i'm like the doctors are like you can't do anything you're not going to you know you're not going to be able to touch you know touch it you have to dilate 
which you know is its own set of procedures which at the at the start so dilation is where you take this sort of very hard plastic dildo in a sense and you stick it in there and you just hold it in there for a bit three times a day for 30 minutes a time um it's a, it's a lot of work uh because if not it will start closing up so to maintain depth and width you have to do this and you have to size up ever so often to maintain the width and the, and the depth um which you know for me i lucked out my skin has uh, or my body has decided to maintain almost all the depth from the start of the surgery and then the width has just been going up so thumbs up to me but not it's not the same for everybody some people it kind of closes up a lot tighter and i can tell if i ever skip a session it got a tight it got very tight and i was like mm, uncomfortably but uh, immediately post op i would say first week you are given a bag to hold that holds all your pee because guess what they have to put a cap in you um you are on a lot of drugs thankfully <laughs> thankfully you're on a lot of drugs but uh uh you know uh, including opioids because it hurts <laughs> otherwise it really does uh but the first week was actually the the milder days of recovery because i was a lot more heavily drugged a lot more you know i had a higher opioid schedule um you, know, you were in your happy place <laughs> i was very much in a happy place also you know i had uh a lot of edibles <laughs> is the best way to <laughs> i just swear to god it's, it's it my surgeon was also like i i kind of recommend going down this path because in california it's legal you know and then she's all like better than opioids then you're getting addicted to opioids is this stuff because a you can't really get addicted and if you take enough you probably aren't going to remember a lot i'm like good so <laughs> i got sort of an okay very kind of a progressive very surgeon in that sense it's like yeah just take these these are probably a lot better for you um, did you get like a nice strain like the finest quality uh, i was just i had i don't know i yes i actually yeah. i have a very specific uh, brand i really really love um but yeah the other thing i had was uh, then it was week two and three. Like that was the worst weeks of my life. I will be honest. That recovery days were, uh, especially week two, where they remove the bolster. So they remove the packing and then they go, and they go, we're going to do a magic trick and it's going to be the weirdest magic trick you've ever felt. And I'm like, what do you mean? And you know those magic tricks where they keep on pulling out the stupid, you know, <laughs> silk, the, the, the little, handkerchiefs. yeah, handkerchiefs. Yeah, like that, except it's endless and oh, they're no. coming out between your legs and you can kind of feel everything, but not fully feel it. So it's very weird. But yeah, they were, they were just like, yeah, this is going to feel really weird. And so they just, just kept on yanking it for like 30 seconds. And I'm like, wow, OK, is, are you going to be done anytime soon? <laughs> you know, but when I finally finished, um, they looked at it uh, and then they, then they then they look at the cath and then they before they pull the cath out, they pump you full of saline because they need to check to make sure um, that you can still pee normally because if you can't pee that cath is going back in to maintain and so that was and they put a lot of liquid on purpose because so it feels like you're about to like blow literally blow up uh, but once they confirmed everything was good they sent me home and I was like okay cool I guess everything is kind of fine sitting is really uncomfortable but yay you know 
Uh, and then it was a lot of, uh, you know, at the, during the day it was everything was fine. And then at nighttime, that was when it got really bad because you're supposed to take your um, opioids in a sense on a very set schedule. But when you're sleeping, you might forget to do that. And waking up in pain was, I was pretty much, I'm glad I had a roommate who was, who was wanting to become a nurse. I'm like, look, you're about to get your first nursing experience, even though you're not a nurse, because I'm going to need a lot of help. And uh, it was yelling and yelling to the point where I woke up all my house about like three nights in a row because it just hurt so bad. Uh, and using the restroom, like peeing hurt at the time because technically it was still an open wound. Peeing on an open wound. Oh, not oh, the, oh. Not, not, it was not the most pleasant timing. Or, uh, you know, I'm going to be honest with everybody who is ever going to look into this. Order, you're going to have the worst two weeks of your life. But after that, everything is golden. Like it literally almost overnight, it just all ended. I'm like, wow. Okay, that was it, I guess. You know, like it was just that was that was that was the only issue. All right, not a problem. Done. But yeah, it was because it is a such a major surgery is a very inv- invasive in a sense um, that, you know, it was not, you know, the recovery process is a little bit harsher because of that. But after I would say after like the first month, uh, things kind of settled and everything, you know, I was able to go to the bathroom. I was able to dilate without too much discomfort, things like that size up. Um, but, you know, things looked swollen. You know, there was a pop stitch down there. That was the only co- real complication I really had um, was a pop seam. So it kind of looked like there was a tear below that was not supposed to exist. Um, the surgeon's all like, oh, yeah, we'll just let that heal naturally. Like, And I was like, well, everything looks gross right now because, like, the body has now, like, been, un- you know, the thing that was keeping everything together, like the packing and the bandages is all off. So the body's all like, time to expand. <laughs> and so swelling and everything. And I thought, I was like, man, this is not the way I expected it to be. Like, there was a moment where that definitely that thought passed in my head. And then almost like day by day, I could see it like going down just a little, just a little, just a little. And, you know, the things are still hurting, but it's like, it's slowly, it's like the slowest transformation sequence you've ever seen. It just takes three months to get to the point where it looks normal. And so when I finally got to see my surgeon like three months after the surgery or three and a half months after the surgery date, everything almost magically kind of like came together, adjusted itself. And I was like, all right, it's the day, you know, where the appointment where the doctor has to look at everything. All right, boys, just make everything work. And it just kind of worked. And I was like, <laughs> wow. Okay. I like two days ago, you guys were super uneven because once I got really swollen for some godforsaken reason, because I didn't, you know, it's not like I did anything. And then, and then today you are, uh, you know, you're just like normal and nothing happened. Like it's like you're pretending and it was, and now it's right now, like it's been uh, a week and a half since that appointment. And I've been like, everything works and I like it, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, it, it honestly was, it was like, everything works and it's great now. It certainly beats everything looking like raw hamburger down there. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Like the <laughs> second or third week. Um, after surgery, I had my roommate take a photo because it was kind of hard to a look down there and b 
I kind of didn't want to look down there, but if someone took a photo and showed me, I'd be like, all right, that's what it looks like. You know, it's kind of this mental hurdle. to Yeah, jump you, can, you can distance yourself from it a bit. You're not seeing it on you. <laughs> right. Uh, but man, it looked like a hamburger patty went 10 rounds with Rocky and did not win. Oh. <laughs> so it was not. And I, you know, I definitely took a few photos and sent it to the doctor because guess what? We're in the modern day era where you can send a photo and talk to your doctor. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's normal. And I'm like, this is normal. <laughs> you know, like that moment of like, this is normal. But it was like looking back on all her photos she had on her website. I was like, oh, yeah, there is like a phase where, it, you know, it does not look pretty. I also say like I had uh, all the periods I've missed from having a normal vagina all concentrated in, in three weeks. And it was not a pleasant two weeks. There was a lot of bleeding everywhere. Um you know, which, by the way, forewarning for those who are into it, who are looking into doing this, you're going to bleed a lot for at least two months. But don't worry, it goes away after a while. It, it was just a moment of like, oh, my God, that's just a lot of pain in the abdomen, being feeling bloated and bleeding everywhere. This is what periods must be like, you know, because I don't have an actual experience. But so that's the closest I can get to. So having gone through it, all, I know that one of the big, um, you know, for for people who are opposed to this sort of thing and, you know, bigots and stuff. The argument is always, oh, and people have these surgeries and they regret them afterwards. And so my question, I guess, I, I can probably guess the answer, but uh, just to, to hear you say it, um, do you, do you, is there anything you regret about it at all or? Uh, me personally? No. Um, I don't regret any of this that I've done. Don't get me wrong. It has only been three and a half months since the surgery, but I have in a sense only lived my life you know, 90% complete, you know, instead of 100% complete all the time. And so this was my way to feel a 100% uh, now. So I've, I've been a lot more positive, you know, emotionally, a lot more, you know, stable, I would say a lot more like, you know, open about myself now and used to be like, I would not talk about myself as much uh, to those who, you know, know me. So we were we were asking you on break, and um, I'm not quite sure how to segue into it. So this is the segue, but how's the upkeep? Like, oh yeah, you have to do a lot of maintenance, right? Yeah. Um. So the first three months is the highest amount of upkeep you will do. Um. Of course, depends on your surgeon, depends on the technique they use. You know, there's a lot of depends in that sense. Like, uh, but it was in my case, it was. Uh, the initial upkeep was three times a day, 30 minutes with a dilator, which is a very hard plastic dildo pretty much to just maintain it because it is, it would close up if not. Um, it was douching uh, every night with a vinegar water solution to clean it out and keep it maintained. Um, you know, it was also, uh, you know, bleeding and like certain pads now slightly less of an issue um because my transition specifically is uh you know physically on the outside i'm still a male body just my genitals have changed uh so my testosterone which normally if i was a binary transition i'd be on estrogen but i'm not i'm still on testosterone um i still would pre a lot and i have preed a lot more since i've had this surgery which is to me specifically in my own purpose it's a big plus um, and I'm happy about it because in a sense, it's natural lubrication. 
Um, but yeah, the maintenance is now washing my underwear a lot more, <laughs> I would say, is the biggest maintenance. And still having to dilate um, uh, once a day. Or as my doctor says, find a suitable partner that is willing to just, you know, hump you for 30 minutes a day, minimum. I've got a prescription for this. <laughs> so, yeah, so my, joke, <laughs> my joke has been, I'm like, you know, I'll go to a con and I'm like, I really need you to do this for me. It's a medical necessity. No other reason. I have why. a doctor's note. <laughs> I have a doctor's note. I need you to do this. <laughs> but yeah, uh, but yeah, that, that was my, my surgery. That was like, you, you know, and after a year or so, you don't need to do it as much and things because like it's maintained its shape in a sense. But yeah, it's the first, the first year you'll do a lot of the dilation. After that, you might not. Um, so in a sense, it's like, I have a prescription to have to use a dildo on myself daily is is the other maintenance, real real big maintenance that I have to keep in mind. And I'm guessing when I, when I hear dildo, I'm guessing it's not like you can go to Bad Dragon and have them fill a prescription for you. I'm guessing this is something more medical. <laughs> yeah, so the dilators are a lot more medical. They're less sexy. <laughs> less textured. Yeah. And... <laughs> it, is a, it, is, it is literally a solid tube. In reality, a hard plastic <laughs> tube, like solid hard plastic tube, and you just you sort of stick it in there and you just you hold it. Um, but I know friends who who have because they only go so wide on the medical website that you purchase them from. Uh, friends I know who want deeper and wider, or not deeper but wider, um, have gotten quite a <laughs> bad dragon or other toys. And, you know, said, well, you know, this is about like the size I want to maintain it at. And they have it. So in it goes. And I'm like, well, I guess that might work. So maybe eventually that might be my thing. But I don't think they uh, I don't think they take like uh, insurance. I don't think Bad Dragon takes insurance. <laughs> so, Though so Bad Dragon, if you are listening and you do take insurance, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be interested. <laughs> the, you want the uh, the flared chance, right? Oh, no. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not that stretch yet. Okay. So, so I say I say this part in, in in total jest here. This is just me sort of spitballing a thought that came to mind. So, if you know, uh, uh, I remember when I had my wisdom teeth out, right? Like my friends, like, oh, show me, and I can go, oh, look at the, you know, look, they're all missing there. Or if you get like a plate in your head, you can, oh, check out the scar. Uh, right, it's yeah. gonna be kind of strange to like have all this work done. S- some small party was, like, I, gotta, I gotta show someone, right? I gotta like get that. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, so to me, maybe not, I, maybe not. <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess the thing is like, if, you know, anyone who I would have, you know, be sexual partners with, you know, I, I'd show them ahead of time. I'd be like, all right, just so you know, you know, but most cases I've, or people or friends I've talked to who have told this or, you know, shared photos with, they've been like, man, it looks great. And like, you know, most of them are you know, in a joking way, but also kind of like, you know, if we do have sex, they'd be like, yeah, I can't wait to go go at it. And I'm all like, that's a, to me personally, that's kind of a great compliment because that means surgery worked out well. They're happy at the look. You know, I am personally happy to enjoy because I feel like I think that's the other big thing is like being transgender in general, being sex positive in a transgender thing is almost looked down upon in some ways. And people don't want, you know, some people just don't want to talk about it. Or some people say you shouldn't because people won't accept you. But I'm all like, no, 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 no. I always want to be sexually positive in my life and have the body that I mentally will feel comfortable in. Mm-hmm. 
And I, I think that's a big thing that a lot of people have now missed is that that step of you can't you can have the surgery and still be sexually positive about yourself and your body. Well, uh, if anything, oh, sorry, go ahead. I didn't mean to. Oh no, no, go ahead. Uh, if anything, I imagine that it's probably easier now to, to in some way, it's it's confidence is such a big part of sex. I imagine that when you're in the body that that matches how you see yourself, I imagine that makes it easier in some ways to to, to feel sexy and to, to, to be sexy. Yeah, 100%. I will say that I have, I've taken more, you know, nude shots of myself now than I ever have prior. Before I'd be like, man, I have to have eaten 10, you know, salads only for a week. You know, I have to make sure like every inch of me is physically clean. And that this like, I like, you know, and this setup and the lining, like now I'm more like, I could just take a photo and I feel comfortable about doing that and kind of sharing it with my close friends Mm -hmm. that, you know, are happy to see that. So I'm like, yeah, that's fine. So now I am like, yeah, this is okay. And I can be positive about myself and my body and feel sexy about it. Don't get me wrong, there are still some things that I kind of want to work on personally. Like, I need to lose this COVID-19 pounds that I've gained because I was bedridden for three and a half months, uh, which does not do good well, apparently, for your weight. If you do that, you just don't move for three and a half months and you eat food. Things, weight goes up a little bit. But you know, if you have to be bedridden, COVID is not a bad time to do it, I guess, when when no one's able to go out anyway. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was the weird silver lining of this because like, I had this planned out, you know, the weird silver lining of this whole surgery was, oh, yeah, I'm not missing anything because initially I was going to like, I can't, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to miss a bunch of conventions, which I was okay with and things like that. But I was like, now it's all like, well, everything got canceled. No events, no fun. No one's having fun right now. Not <laughs> uh, and I guess it worked out for me, coincidentally, for this specific situation. Not Sorry, rest of the world. <laughs> Sorry, rest of the world. It doesn't work out. But, you know. I mean, you know, I was able to just kind of go like, oh, that all worked out in the end, at least for this moment. You know, I don't think I'll have this chance again. That's for sure. Nor do I want it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I definitely am. I'm super happy with uh, how everything turned out for me. Sorry, you said chance. I'm still thinking about Tug's joke about oh, chance earlier God. on. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I think the last question we really have is like, what? What do you want everyone to know about your story? Ah, yes. So that's that's a pretty good one. So my story, in the end, I feel like what people should take away, if that is the thing that they want to take from this, uh, is that, you know, all kinds of transitions in the end are valid. Um, you know, and to know that not everything has to be binary. It is scarier, in a sense, to be an outlier of an outlier, you know, in reality, because guess what? Transgender population of the world is less than a percent. There's not a lot of transgender people, even though a lot of groups like TERFs and things like that will make it out to be like, it's a humongous problem. It's not in that sense, right? If you want to take, if you want to take the statistical numbers perspective, guess what? They're not winning that number game either because we're not a lot. But further beyond that, you know, of that kind of subset, I'm like even further. So like my percentage is even tinier if you really want to think about it that way. Um, because I am also a person who phys- who actually did the surgery, um, which is a bigger step for a lot of people. Um, and I would say it's like, 
if you truly believe that that is the case that you are, I go find someone who can help you find look for a professional in this case, a therapist who is transgender, you know, or non-binary um, experience. So they have seen this, they know what they're doing because there is a huge amount of mental validation, you know, from getting that kind of feedback. And if you do pursue, pursue the physical surgery in the end, understand that, you know, all these hoops you think you have to jump through that might seem unfair and things like that is, um, you know, there is a reason why that exists. You know, we can argue about how much requirement versus how little requirement to get the surgery is. But I understand, like, overall, like, you will feel better that you did your due diligence, you did your research, you said you checked all the boxes and made sure and that in the end that it, you truly believe that you needed and wanted to do this and you felt good about it. And by the time you wake up and after the first ugly two to three weeks that you will have, you're going to feel like, man, the world is brighter now. Um, I, you are happier. You are more emotionally stable, I feel, at least, and that you're going to be excited to, you know, have your new body in a sense. I mean, in a weird way, I'm re-experiencing puberty in a different perspective now <laughs> everything is uh as my endo said it's like oh you're gonna still be on tea well i guess you're just gonna be horny for the rest of your life and i'm like i not i guess not the biggest problem but there yeah. are worse fates <laughs> yeah there are worse fates i guess in my life that would have happened yeah but yeah uh, that's it that's it i think most people you know believe yourself and uh, kind of enjoy do what you think is right i guess is the the last minute yeah, it makes a lot of sense, you know. Um, you and I share similar philosophy. Uh, we only have so many heartbeats, and do you really want to spend them being miserable, or do you want to be authentic and happy? And I, I'm is, I mean, I am your friend too. I mean, I'm, I'm very happy to see that you've made this journey and how happy you have been with the results. Like, I've never seen you be so bubbly and excitable in a, in a completely different way. Um, and so I'm, I'm really thankful that you came on to share your story with us. Yeah. Um, you know, ignoring current political climate, which definitely was a little bit of a worry to be honest. Uh, I would say now I'm like, yeah, the world is better about understanding that people like me exist, you know, that are not, you, you know, we're not in the. A or B category. We've decided to create our own category, you know, with blackjack and hookers situation. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and we're like, we're gonna enjoy ourselves now, okay? Um, that's that's sort of that that idea I have is like, look, you know, sometimes some people don't fit into those boxes that people have neatly set out, and that's okay, and you have to understand that, you know, it breaks your expectations, but you know, maybe that's a good thing. All right. Hard to argue with that. Okay. Let us then kind of wrap things up with our usual spiel of this. Have you commented on the site yet? It's time to be reminded in housekeeping. Housekeeping, we'll do this quick. 
So, thank you to Firebreath and Voss for their support. Firebreath for his lines, Voss for his editing. Thanks to you, Nuka, for coming on on short notice. I appreciate you. Happy to be here. Yeah. Um, if you liked today's episode, be sure to share it with someone who you think would appreciate it. Go to our site and comment because it makes it look like people listen to the show. People do, but you know, who goes to a website with zero comments? Um, and that's, that's, I think, it for this episode. Do you have anything you want to plug or add before we head out, Nuka? Um, nothing on my end. FirstScience.com if you're interested in checking out our research. Sweet. And Charm, any parting thoughts or did you want to make yourself available to people who may have questions? Oh, yeah. So I guess technically right now, because this episode is what, coming out next week, right? Uh, seven or, to ten-ish days. Usually or, all right, it's coming out a bit. Um, so by the, by the time I say this message, it'll have passed, but, uh, anyone who is into the, uh, charity thing, Fairs for Life this weekend, come, you know, go watch the VOD, donate to Children's Miracle Network, the great, great service who take any child who has any kind of disease, doesn't care of income, uh, and covers everything to, you know, make sure that they are healthy kids in the end. okay keep tabs on our social media we'll just we'll tell you soon what the next episode will be but in the meantime this is tugs do the thing yeah nuka you do the thing oh this is nuka and i'm floating away uh bye everybody <laughs> Say your name! Oh, me. Oh, uh, charm. I didn't, I didn't wreck it for once. I didn't wreck it for once. We've already ruined this episode. It's canceled the whole episode. It's done. Can't do it again. <laughs> Alright, and this has been for what for it's, what it's worth. worth. Alright, bye bye.